2: As long as the room feels good, that's super helpful for me just to be in like a good space. And I think along with that, making sure that the people who are going to be working with you are are people that you feel free around uh, and hopefully like really great people too. But you can't always guarantee that. But as much attention to that as possible, I think is always super helpful.
1: How do you typically make a room feel like that for you?
2: I think it can be as literal as like the way it looks obviously makes a big difference. I work out of a a little studio that I share with my dad. I'm fortunate to have a space that I can call mine. And so I definitely take liberties to just arrange it in a way that like feels good, make sure the lighting's good, have everything like super accessible. I think that's really important for me. Like if I have an inspiring idea, I want to be able to put it down as quickly as possible without having to, oh, okay, let's set up the microphone. Oh, okay, let's, like, re-input all these things into the interface so we can capture that. As much as everything can just be, like, set up and ready to go, it's super helpful to not have to think about any of that or let it get in the way of, like, an idea. Those are some of the ways. And then, like I already said, like, the people who are in there with you make a huge, huge difference.
0: I mean, it's important. I think a lot of people focus on, obviously, vocal and physical warm-ups are great, but the environment that you're in is super important because it is going to influence whatever you do
2: yeah totally
0: hey everyone uh we hope you're doing well this week I just wanted to hop on here really quick and give a little disclaimer that this episode was recorded before we were in quarantine. So there are some things that we talk about that we definitely are not promoting that you guys go out and do things. Um, anyway, this week we talked with Byram.
1: Yeah, Byram is a musician. So we were talking about live performances, which we are definitely not condoning. So stay indoors, stay quarantined and and hopefully stay listening and, and entertained. Byram is a, a great guy. I know him from From high school, we were in choir together. He went on to become a great musician and producer. Uh, We had the chance to speak with him about his artistic career as a producer, songwriter, as a musician, just all the great stuff. I listened to a song of his recently, and I just can't stop listening to it. And I'm so excited to share our conversation with him.
0: The song slaps. We'll link it for you guys, (laughs) for you people. Melody,
1: what is slaps?
0: Have you never heard the term slaps before?
1: No, I've heard banging.
0: Oh my God. No, Mitchell, you need to <laughs> stay up on your slang. Uh, no. The, the
1: song is kicking.
0: Oh, no. The the more you say, the worse it gets. <laughs> it's really... I, I mean, groovy is... I would say, though, because I was going to say groovy as somewhat in a... Derogatory is not the right term, but in a negative way... And I was like, but it is kind of groovy, and I don't really think that groovy is a is a bad thing. But anyway, slaps is like slang term, basically for like this song is really really good, or it like it goes really hard, like it slaps. That's what it is.
1: See, yeah, no, I I think that I I like a lot of his stuff like the song i'm addicted to has a really great build and then it drops it's kind of like that skrillex what what's uh what's the the type of music that skrillex and dubstep dubstep you know it has like a a really nice emotional build except it's not like bad music it's good music <laughs> uh and it has like a really cool exciting moment where it's just like oh yeah yeah it's mm.
0: like it's that oh <laughs> i hated that i hated that so much <laughs> Oh, my God. No, it's like R&B when they have like a really cool kind of vibe to it. And then all of a sudden, like these drums come in and it's really like it slaps. It goes hard. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So definitely advise going to check out Byram's music. And he's still producing stuff now, which is super exciting. And we'll hopefully link and share all that stuff as it comes out. Because I am a a super fan. Oh, yeah. Big fan of Byram.
0: Same. All right. Cool. Enough of us talking. Let's get into our conversation with Byram. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Can you give us a little update on on you and a a little background on who you are?
2: Sure. I'll start with the background first, I guess. I come from an artistic family, for sure. So that was always like I really was just born into that. And that's always been a huge, huge part of my life. So both my parents are singers and actors and writers and kind of kind of everything, but mainly vocalists. So Mm -hmm. I was raised around like a lot of musical theater influence and a lot of storytelling within music, I think. Fun fact, my dad actually sang. Did you guys ever see the movie The Prince of Egypt, the animated film? Yes. Okay.
0: A very long time ago, but yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like,
2: it was like definitely like a family film, but it's an amazing movie. So he's the singing voice of Moses on that. And so it, it's such a beautiful storytelling movie. The music that's related to storytelling was always really big for me. And he was also very involved in musical theater and things like that as well. So I was definitely around that a lot. And then I think it was in high school where I was like, man, I actually don't think that I have a huge passion for performing, which is ironic because, you know, Mitch, you and I were in show choir together for yep. at least a year and both of us were in it for like at least three years. But I think I did realize I don't necessarily love to perform, but I do love to create. And so it's sort of shifted into a lot of production, a lot of songwriting. But the last... I'd say the last five to six years or so, as I've been working with a bunch of other artists on their music, I've been shifting more and more towards my own music and even coming back around to performing again because I feel like when I've realized I can take ownership over something, like something that I've created, then I start to care even more about like how it's translated in different ways. So, like Of course, how it translates on a record, but then mm-hmm. it's like, man, I want to translate this either really accurately or in a specific way to people who are watching me perform it too. Now diving into that territory has been super fun. So right now, currently I'm making and and putting out a lot of my own stuff and trying to just allow myself to have the space to do that as an overall artist, as well as I'm, I'm still working with other artists on their own stuff. And, you know, people who I have great relationships with and who i appreciate their music.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting kind of path. A lot of times I hear people are focusing more on their music and then they turn to doing producing for other artists because they mm-hmm. feel like they're they're really taking that on. And it sounds like you've kind of flipped that on the other side. So when it comes to, to performing, is there a reason why you didn't like it per se, or was it just you preferred the other?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I think part of it may have been because what I already sort of mentioned, it wasn't music that I felt like I could take ownership over. It was because I didn't have like my original music in high school. You know, I maybe wrote a few songs here and there in high school, but like none of them were good. I just didn't have the passion for what I was saying back then in the way that I do now. So I think that was a big part of it where like, I just didn't feel inspired by the personal connection I had to the music I was performing at the time.
0: Yeah, that's a huge part of it. (laughs) For sure. Yeah.
2: On top of that, I think I had an inaccurate idea of what performing was for. Whenever I saw performers or I would hear other people who were like, I want to be on stage. I want to be a performer. I want to be this. It always felt like it was coming from a pretty selfish place of I just want to be the one to say something great. When it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, but you don't have anything great to say necessarily. But then once you get to a place where it's like, man, I feel like I, I have these great things to say. Then you find this new passion. You want to say it and you want to say it well, you know?
1: So you were talking a little bit about you starting to write your own stuff and you didn't necessarily think that it was saying something, I guess, representative of yourself. Can you think back to when you were first starting out to write? When did you start producing your own music?
2: I started in high school on GarageBand and things like that, which is still viable. Honestly, you can make great music on GarageBand. I would just like come up with cool chord progressions or, you know, sing melodies. It would just start like really simple back then. And then start writing some words on it as well. And then I remember some of the first songs I ever like completed, because back then it was so hard to like finish a song. You just like start a Mm -hmm. bunch of ideas. I would finish a song because I did it for a class project. They were like, okay, you have to do something creative. And I was like, oh, let me make a song. So I think like that may have been one of the first songs I ever finished writing was like one about like a book. It was like for a book report, which is hilarious. Do you remember which book? Yeah, I think it was Dante's Inferno. (laughs) <laughs> Which is like
0: <laughs> Whoa, what a great book to write a song about. Yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. So like
2: the imagery was great, that's but <laughs> the like
0: That's hilarious.
2: Yeah, but like relating to it personally, maybe not as strong.
1: <laughs> but oh, wow. that's amazing. Yeah. So so you're gonna share that with
2: us? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Only my English class. Okay. (laughs)
1: That's freaking amazing. Yeah. Was there a moment when you were like, oh, I finished this song and I actually kind of really resonate with this opposed to something that you're like, I finished it and like eh, onto the next.
2: Yeah. My most honest answer is every time I write a new song that I love now, I tend to think, whoa, it's hard to say exactly when that started happening because it's still kind of happening where I feel like the more I'm expressing myself, the better I get at expressing myself. And hopefully that's Mm -hmm. just going to continue forever. And maybe that's typical for artists. It's like the last thing you wrote or the last maybe for a painter, like the last thing you painted is usually the one you're the most excited about. But who knows? Maybe that's because you just you're able to get more and more personal or honest with yourself. And Mm -hmm. those are the ones I usually resonate with the, the most. But I'd say like the clearest shift that I felt for myself was in college. I was maybe I had more tools as well, which helps and i was also doing it enough to where i started to feel like oh cool this actually kind of sounds like me this starts to represent me you know which i think takes time especially nowadays when like we're influenced by so much music it's hard to even find an identity
1: yeah how do you even start to imagine
2: getting to that point dude i can't even imagine like for kids now who were like junior high school hearing music today
0: Oh, it's wild. It's I mean, everywhere. It's all yeah. over the place. Yeah. It's
2: everywhere. It's all over the place and it's like not only are there so many different genres, but whatever the popular genre is, it changes and shifts so quickly like there's so many trends as opposed to like me in high school, like junior high especially and then high school, I was all about sort of the end of the alternative rock mm. like Muse or the Killers or Coldplay mm. back yes. then, like those guys were huge, <laughs> you know. Even like the Strokes, there's this melancholy feel that happens and like I had the ability to be consistently influenced by something enough to where it really did start to, like, sink in for me. Music moves so quickly nowadays. It's like, man, how do people, like, find their consistent identity in it? You know, it's like it's so trendy. Do you think that it's
1: sort of like the trend with how open source the entertainment kind of came with YouTube, where you maybe don't follow a band for an extended period of time and feel really into it, but you just kind of bop from each song that kind of resonates with you and people are just kind of digging into each genre individually for each song?
2: Yeah. Are you asking if basically like technology or accessibility has has created that? Yeah. That kind of conundrum? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd say for sure, you know, some of this stuff is being talked about so much, it almost feels redundant, you know, but it really is like just from everything's so accessible that it's hard to make any decisions almost, or like let something Mm -hmm. sink in. If you only had two channels on your TV, you're going to choose one or the other. And even if you couldn't choose between the two of them, you only have two different sources of input, you know? And so it's like, you're going to be gaining something from one or the other, as opposed to like, man, when you have so many options, there's just so little commitment. And so there's so little growth, I feel like. I mean, I feel similar to that when I'm making music. If I have all the plugins in the world, all the new like synthesizers on my computer and everything, it's like, man, I don't even know where to
0: start. Yeah, I think it's interesting (laughs) the accessibility thing because back in the day when you wanted to listen to a song you would buy the whole album and you would listen Mm -hmm. to the entire album now you can literally just pull up whatever song you want on spotify or apple music or whatever and just listen to that one song and you don't have the full album experience or you know it's not an investment in a way of being like no i love this artist or you know i really want to hear this one song so i'll just get everything else on top of it yeah yeah it's really interesting
2: yeah totally
1: So when you're thinking about creating something new, are you setting limitations to adjust for that pause in too many options? What do you kind of use to get you started on your next project?
2: You know, I have done that as specific as I have a profit synthesizer here that I love. I'll just be like, okay, today I'm only going to use this for everything on the track that I want to make today, except for like the drums. And so it's just like a fun little exercise that sometimes helps me just start to make some decisions and move forward. But I don't do that all the time. At some point that can get kind of too restrictive. Mm -hmm. But I think what can actually act like that for me is a theme. So it's like if I have a topic in mind, or even if it's just as simple as a feeling, that's so broad. But like if there's a specific feeling I know what I want to feel or convey, that's at least enough of a direction or a limit of like, okay, well, I know what I don't want. Mm. to where it just starts to help me like take some steps towards it and i think a lot of things can act like that you know even if like you're inspired to write about a specific topic like man me and -and so-and-so really did not see eye to eye yesterday and it's really bothering me i feel misunderstood then like taking that putting that into a song is enough of a limitation on what it could be about to where it can just like serve your direction well you know
1: Hmm. Yeah, it sounds like you drive a lot of your initial decision. And obviously, correct me if I'm wrong, but based on experiences that you've had, either relatively close to the inception of or the beginning of your project, are there certain triggers that you keep very present in your mind that you're thinking of like, oh, this could be a really great next project for me to do? Or is there some other kind of process that you take kind of at the start when you're you're thinking about continuing on your, your journey there?
2: Hmm. Yeah. Good question. You know, it's so funny. I'm loving your guys' questions because it's making me think (laughs) about new things that I haven't thought about before.
0: Good. (laughs) Oh, awesome.
2: I might be going back a little bit to the previous question, but it's making me realize that any kind of inspiration at all is a limitation. Mm -hmm. That's so healthy because it, it cancels out potentially everything else other than what you're inspired to do. And that gives what you're inspired to do a ton of value. And that's just so that's so interesting to me right now.
1: So you said that you also do produce music with other people in your process. Are you working with a lot of other people for your music or is it just you kind of pulling out all the stops?
2: When I'm really focusing on my music, I think I'm still learning how to work with other people well. And I take pride in this, but it's not served me well in the past. I feel like I am really good at a lot of things. So as far as the process goes of making music, there's the producer, which is already a loose term. Because especially like in hip hop, which my music is super hip hop influenced. Mm-hmm. The producer can be the beat maker. And it's just a guy on the laptop making a beat. And you can do it in an hour. It could potentially be as simple as that. Or you know like the traditional sense of a producer is like somebody who's working with a band hiring the right musicians managing the studio time knows what the consumers need to hear for the record to Mm -hmm. sell is the liaison between the artist and the label and then like directs the performances there's so many different roles of a producer but the first example is the more common one today i feel like and so there's that side of it there's the beat making there's all the instruments that go into that. There's the songwriting, the lyrics and the melody. There's the audio engineering, obviously the vocalist who sings it. There's the mixing process. There's the mastering process. And like all of these things have people who are at the top of their game at each part of that. You know, so it's like best records you hear that are being made today have the best people on each of those specific things. It can be super intimidating to try to keep up with that. But at the same time now, all of those things are like way easier to do. The tools are accessible than ever before. And I feel like I am really, really good at all of them. And so I'm really happy about that because with, with my music, I definitely spearhead all the production, if not produce the whole track for most of my songs. And then for writing them, I spearhead all the writing. And then I'll write with like one of my best friends, MJ. He's credited on all the songs and forget. He'll, like, co-write with me all the time, and I love writing with him because it's, it's like, such a comfortable environment. But I'll do all the audio engineering. I'll do all the mixing. I'll do all the mastering. Wow. So it's, like, yeah, <laughs> I'm doing, like, everything, which is great because I've learned all that from working with other artists and doing that for the artists I work with. But when it comes to my stuff, it's great that I can do that, but it can become a con when, like, I then have a hard time working with other people because…
0: Because you have all those yeah, skills. Yeah, because I have all the skills, <laughs> and it's,
2: like… If there's a moment where like I don't trust that they're going to make the decision that I want, it's way too easy for me to take over. And sometimes it's like really a bad thing.
1: How do you kind of balance and and know when is the right moment to push your agenda then?
2: When it's my stuff, when I know like I'm making something to express my stuff as an artist and from a business perspective, it's my music and I'm going to be putting out the product as my product. Whenever it's we're in that position, I definitely have more freedom to do that. To just be like, man, I really appreciate what you're doing, but it's not what I want to express, you know. So there's definitely more freedom to do that. And I think that the majority of the people that I do bring in the room to work with me understand that and are okay with that, which is really helpful. But when I'm working with other people on their stuff, even if I could do something that I think is better, it's actually better for them to feel total emotional ownership over the music and love the music then for it to be better music honestly because i actually feel like if you were to take a great song and the artist doesn't love the song the music's not going to do as well as opposed to if the music's okay but the artist loves their music it's going to do way better and that wasn't that way in the past but it is that way now
1: so when you say the song is going to do way better Mm-hmm. Can, can you break that out for me? What does that mean?
2: I think that whoever's hearing about the song, whether it's through social media or in person or anything to do with any of the promotion or culture around the song, the culture and the promotion is going to be way more authentic because the artist is truly being represented by the art. And so the artist mm. feels way better and all the branding around it is going to be better. And it's going to be like more truthful, honestly
0: people can tell when you know you're not 100% behind something yeah. and you're just doing it because someone said to or you thought it would be better but I mean that's the one of the wonderful things about art is that you can be so connected to something that you created or were a part of creating and I think that's wonderful I mean every piece of art that somebody makes is a part of them you know it's an extension mm-hmm. of themselves and if they don't love it it's not true like you said and it's not really a representation of who they are or what message. <coughs> (coughs) they Mm -hmm. want to share
1: yeah totally so you were saying that you were getting more into the the performance again now that you were having more of a connection to the produced music that that you're doing Mm -hmm. is is that a direction that you want to take it further or are you kind of balancing it out with more production work like where where do you see yourself kind of going
2: yeah i do want to do more performing it feels like you know truthfully i don't fully understand like the promotional aspect of that yet because that's not a world that I'm that familiar with to be honest but you know I'm told that performing gets listeners involved that expands the listeners audience and everything but from the creative standpoint yeah I do want to do it more because it's a bigger way or a new way to express something and in addition to that I do think it gives me personally me the opportunity to connect with listeners in a way that I'm not great at, like on social media. Even though I'm talking a ton during this, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I'm i not the most vocal person if I'm not asked a question. I'm not a loud person on social media and that's tough nowadays, you know? Like the loud people are the ones who get the attention.
0: It's true, yes. <laughs> Even if it's not <laughs> the right attention. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the, the one thing that I will say is that it's wonderful that it's so easy now to be able to connect with people, with you mm-hmm. know, people who are listening to your music or fans, whatever. Because it does make it so much more personal and to be able to just like reach out on Instagram and be like, What's up?
1: Have you been performing a lot? You're still in LA, I'm assuming.
2: Yeah, I'm still in LA. I have performed only twice now my stuff. And that's because it was it was good timing and I definitely had the room to do it. And then I took on a couple of huge projects over the last like six months, but I'm definitely trying to do more and more performing.
1: Yeah. How did you get to the point where you could get the room or the kind of performance all lined up? And are you looking to do that like in the near future or what are the steps that you're you're kind of taking? there? Mm-hmm.
2: The first show I did was just like a friend who's in a band. Shout out to Neon West. Love those guys. And they asked me to open up for them. And so that was my first performance at Lucky Strike in Hollywood. Oh, awesome.
0: Nice. Yeah. I love Which, Lucky Strike. <laughs> dude, it's
2: such a good venue. Like, I had no idea. Great. I'd i I'd been there once before, but like the sound guys were so good. And the actual sound in the room is amazing. So that was such a good experience for me and for, you know, everybody who came out. So yeah, the opportunity was given to me through Sean and, and those guys at Neon West and then After that, I've been reached out to just by other people who have, you know, heard me on Instagram or heard me through word of mouth and things like that. And so I I did do one of those breaking sound. It's like this, this group who plays like new emerging artists. And that was also a great experience. But yeah, I've had to say no to quite a few others who reached out, but I definitely want to do it more
1: in terms of performing you were also saying like connecting with your your fans uh, maybe mm-hmm. not necessarily in terms of like a live performance but do you have any plans for doing live on facebook or doing music videos and that kind of thing
2: music videos for sure whether i have the means to to do it as much as i want to right now i definitely have the desire to do music videos it's very similar to performing for me it's like a whole new way to express something in the song. You could have the record and and it's interpreted one way, and then you could put out a music video with it and it's completely flipped upside down and reinterpreted. And Mm. so that's super exciting to me.
1: Okay. I'm super happy that you said that because also in my research, I found (laughs) I hate you, never leave me.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you talk about that? Yeah. (laughs) And you can be honest. Did you watch the whole thing?
1: I did. It's super long.
2: It is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How long is it?
1: I well, think it's, it's like 16 minutes. I think, yeah, that's I think like it's a, 20 that's minutes. It's like a
0: short film. That's not that bad. Well for a music 20... video, it's a little long, I must say. <laughs> yeah.
2: So that video was definitely like it started with a concept. Because it's it's obviously like a concept video or concept art or performance art in a mm-hmm. way. And so that was an EP I put out. So funny. Some people love that EP, which. <laughs> oh, 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 no. Are I you, you going to say that you this, don't?
0: I love this wind up. It's really. I really enjoy it. I'm not taking people my time. Huh? love it.
2: <laughs> I go back and forth with it. Sometimes I love it. And I'm like, man, I listen to it. And actually, I go, I am way ahead of my time because that thing is old now. And like I listen to it and I hear things coming out today that sound like it. I feel that way about the the Forget EP that, that I put out last mm-hmm. year, too. If I'm being totally honest, I am ahead, especially for somebody who's doing it all on their own, which I want to break out of. Like, I want to be able to really expand the creation process by, like, having more people involved, you know. But, like, especially for someone who's really doing the bulk of it on their own, I feel like I am on the, you know, the, the tip of the, the wave or whatever the expression is mm-hmm. so yeah, ahead of the curve thank you so in that way I actually am really proud of that EP I think I just get super picky of like the style or mm-hmm. the performance or, or whatever it is you know mm-hmm. but to answer your question about that video I had that EP <laughs> and then I was like man I want to put out some visual and I want it to be something that we can do on a shoestring budget so it has to be simple but I also want it to be like very extreme That was the first concept. Actually, no, that was the second concept I came up with. All one shot.
0: Holy moly.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So we just put a camera on the back of a van and I just ran towards it for, you know, 20 minutes and started taking off articles of clothing and and you saw the rest. So I'll leave it up to I'll I'll keep it a mystery so the viewers can, can go watch it.
1: Well, I don't want to cut off all this conversation because this is really amazing and and pure gold. But we do have a standard set of closing questions that I'd love to hear your answers to. Sure. Awesome.
0: Yay. Here we go. What is the hardest thing about pursuing the arts?
2: Man, the hardest thing. I think the hardest thing is to stop listening to the voices that you're not supposed to listen to. And that can be from other people from yourself
1: do you have certain voices in your head that you have to turn off and do you have a a way to kind of get it to not be intrusive
2: yeah i i for sure have voices from myself and you know they can be self-doubt they can be things like that they can also be me telling myself that i'm i'm somebody who i'm not and especially with music today and just the way that like social media is so invasive and not just the frequency of it but the content of it is so invasive to like our identities. It's hard to avoid being affected by that. And it. so there is this constant like, okay, who who am I again? Where did I come from? What's my foundation? Yeah. And so, I mean, to answer your question for me, that's a huge part, part of it is family and my community. And I feel blessed to have a great community around me. But really like the, the biggest one is honestly my relationship with God. It's like, that's where I feel like I get the most truthful answers. And it's the most unchanging. What keeps you up at night? Yikes. Things that keep me up at night, man, it can be anything. It can be thoughts about like I'm running out of time. My life isn't what I want it to be. It can be stresses about finance. It can be stresses about a relationship. Man, it can be it can be anything that I let get out of control or I let start to control my thought life. That'll mm. keep me up at night.
0: This is our last of the closing questions. To a person that might be interested in pursuing the arts while still working a nine-to-five job, what advice would you give them?
2: I was fortunate enough to not have to work a nine-to-five job for very long. Right after college, I worked at a studio. I worked at the Village Recorder for about a year and a half, and then I did freelance production. It's hard for me to know how to answer that. I mean, set some realistic goals, but be patient with yourself. Stay positive. You have to be hopeful because, man, when you have negative thoughts or you you say boohoo me, which I, I can do that all the time and I'm trying to do that less and less and less and less, you attract those things, you know? So, like, however you can, you have to stay hopeful, which is realistic. Some people think it's unrealistic and it's, it's realistic to be, like, pessimistic, but I, I don't think that's true. So, I think that'll help you more than anything. And then just, you know, good planning and then… When you feel like it's right, you just have to take a leap too. Okay, I just thought of one more thing actually that might be helpful. I've been learning this a lot recently, is to be a good steward of what you're doing now. Even if it's like a job that you do not want, or a job that you hate, you putting your your best into it, I don't think it exhausts you. Because I think when you do your best, you feel better about yourself, and it gives you more energy. And so I think that like when you when you're a good steward of what you already have, it always creates opportunity to have more, whether it's by like what I just said with the energy thing or if it's by like people seeing that in you and giving you more responsibility, whether it's at the job. So then you make more money so then you have more flexibility or whatever it is. I just think that when you are a good steward of what you already have, you're then able to get more
0: hey everyone
1: thanks so much for listening
0: you can find out more about byram on instagram at byram music or on spotify and soundcloud as byram
1: his information and more details about the interview can be found on our website www.artisticpodcast.com
0: if you liked the conversation do us a favor and share it with a friend it's the best way to help people find our podcast and will help support the show
1: for updates on new episodes and content you can follow us at ArtisticPod on instagram and facebook thanks
0: again for listening and we'll catch you next week it slaps.
1: <laughs> Wasn't it his song again?
0: The song is I Might. That's mm, the one I, I might. think you're thinking.
1: You yeah. This one? Oh, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Mm. Mm. Oh. I might, I might. <laughs>